0: This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good to be back with you once more this week. Plenty to get to today. Chip Scoggins, Star columnist, will join me in just a little bit. He is in San Antonio for the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four, in particular to, uh, to cover Paige Beckers and everything that the experience of that Hopkins High School freshman National College Women's Player of the Year as a freshman, everything that entails. So Looking forward to talking to Chip here in just a minute. But first, what did I miss? Opening day for the Twins on uh, on Thursday afternoon at Milwaukee. You know, you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. You wonder, you know, what a team is going to look like. You've had the whole offseason to speculate about things, so you finally get to get a look at them. And so, let's talk about some things we liked, some things we didn't like. Um... Well, right off the bat, didn't like the outcome, right? Uh, everything was going great until the ninth inning. I shouldn't say everything was going great. Everything was going good on the scoreboard, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but the Twins lose 6-5 in extra innings, uh, 6-5 in 10 innings after the Brewers get three in the ninth off of Alexander Colomay, their closer, um, so to speak, and we'll uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit too, but Right off the bat, that's the outcome. They lose 6-5. Don't like that, obviously, if you are a Twins fan. I want to start with the things I, I liked just because I think that the game flow naturally dictates that uh, we'll start with the things we like because that's kind of what the, what we saw at the beginning, and then what we didn't like was a little bit more towards uh, towards the end. So what did I like? Three things I liked out of that game. Um, one, I like Byron Buxton, right? Um, not just the long, long, long home run. What was that? 456 feet. Um, but also the two walks he had guys he had two walks all last season and granted shortened season in which he only played I believe 39 games but to get two walks in your first game uh, of this season after getting two all of last season gets on base you know three times technically including the long long home run that had given the twins some breathing room in the late innings the two walks show you you know Lavelle and I Lavelle and and I he was on uh, for our preview show on Thursday, and he was talking about how Buxton doesn't walk, he doesn't get on base, and because of that, he just doesn't steal a lot of bases. Um, if he gets a hit, a lot of times he turns it into a double with his speed, or he hits it over the fence, strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot, so he doesn't get a lot of stolen bases. If he's going to walk more, and again, this is just one game, we got to remind ourselves throughout this whole conversation of the small, small, tiny sample size of just one game. But if he's going to walk more, if he can increase his walk rate, there'll be more opportunities for him to impact the game in the running game and not just with his defense and power. So that's something to watch for for the rest of the year, but a good start for Byron Buxton. I also like Max Kepler, right? We talked about Max Kepler struggling all spring. I think he would he have three hits in spring training and like 43 at-bats, something like that. Um I don't know if it's just a matter of getting that out of the way, whether it's a matter of he was working on some stuff and it did, you know, the the results didn't matter all that much. But he gets three hits in the opener, he has as many hits in the opener as I think he had all spring. Um, looks much better at the plate. You know, he gets a bloop to fall in that, that knocks in a run, gets a the big triple. Um, and, you know, so he he looks like he's ready to go day one. And if that was a concern, I don't think that was a huge concern. But anytime someone struggles to that degree in spring training, you're kind of wondering is that going to carry over to the regular season this is going to be an impact on his overall game there. So it doesn't look like that was impacted. So good start from Max Kepler too. So two of those three outfield spots looked good on the first game. Last one I liked the bullpen up until Alexander Coleman. Maybe that was a big question coming in. Um you know, but Kent who we'll get to again here in a minute, did not have a great outing. He was okay. He he kind of but he kind of muddled through and he needed eighty eight pitches uh, just to get through four and a third innings, and you know, early in the season, pitchers are going to be on a slightly shorter rope, so we got to understand that. But you know, they needed a lot of different relievers. Tyler Duffy comes in, gets gets out of that jam, gets gets enough uh, enough done to, to to get out of that jam with a lead. And Cody Stashak, uh, Taylor Rogers, Hansel Robles, all of them, just three scoreless innings. Uh, each of them had at least one strikeout. Robles had two. Uh, Rogers looked great, looked like his fastball had some extra jump on it, same with Robles, so you, you liked the bridge that they were able to build to the ninth inning. Speaking of which, here's the three things I did not like. Josh Donaldson, you guys, we talked all, you know, we've talked multiple multiple times what's one of the keys to the season. Josh Donaldson looked great in the spring. Can he stay healthy? He's had so many injury problems, especially leg problems over the last few years. Had his season his, his debut year with the Twins spoiled largely last year by calf problems. And again, that was just a shortened season, so you you're talking about 3 more years left on that 92 million dollar contract he signed. Uh, before the 2020 season, he goes out after half an inning, hits a double, um, really nice. You know, looked like a great, great start for him. Hits a double. Something seems like it happens when he's going from first to second base. Some kind of hamstring twinge. So you know, if there's a sliver of good news in it, it's it's not. Doesn't seem like it's the same exact problem he's had before you wonder if it's related in any way just you know when you've had problems in one area you start to overcompensate and, and you know run differently maybe i don't know that would be that would be speculation to, f- to try to decide how it happened the most important thing is that it did happen he had to leave the game we'll see how quickly he's back in the lineup but just not a great sign when a guy who you're hoping can stay healthy all season or at least for the majority of the season uh, and has had injury problems he gets hurt like six minutes into the season, he has to leave the game and is injured six minutes into the year, basically, and doesn't doesn't even get to play the bottom half of the first inning. Another thing I didn't like the fielding throughout. They gave away a lot of extra outs. um Some curious decisions. You know, you had the the blood the the you know the error the flat out error by Andrelton Simmons, who's supposed to be one of their best players. And again, errors happen, right? It's it's nothing's perfect. It doesn't mean he's not a great defensive player. It Just means he made a he made an error in, in the first game of the year. So. That was disappointing though, because that that hastened Kent exit, kind of you know creates a domino effect of how the bullpen gets used, things of that nature. So, didn't love that. The ninth inning is where he had some real issues, where you know um, Alexander Colome is in the game, um, you know he gets the first out, he then he hit, gets a hit by pitch. You're like, okay, all right, let's let's you know he's a guy that's got a lot of base runners sometimes, even when he's effective. Next batter hits a chopper right back to him, <clears throat> has to run up and get it, take the sure out. Let's that let's let's be honest, right? You you got one out, runner on first in a three-run game. What's more important? Trying to get the lead runner in that case or making sure you get an out. He throws to second, the throw is high, they don't get an out, and so you got first and second all of a sudden. Next batter up, Kristen Yellis. I thought it was a home run off the bat, but instead, Max Kepler goes back. Looks like he's got a beat on it. Jumps in his glove, out of his glove. Another misplay. Extra base runner, extra outs. You could say they got at least four outs in the ninth inning. You could say they got five outs because Kepler usually makes that catch, and it, it comes back to hurt him when, with two outs, you know Shaw hits the game-winning, uh, game-tying double, and they end up winning in, in extra innings. So just a disappointing way to end that uh, that game and so that that all kind of goes with with colome right what you know and this is you know there's gonna be second guessing in every game every especially every game you lose like that but colome i was genuinely curious why he you know why there was a lot of talk at the start of the year of he's he's the closer or he's he's you know if if all things are equal he's gonna be the guy that's gonna finish games and i know he's done it a lot in his career i know he's got over a hundred career saves he's a quote-unquote proven closer um but you look at the stuff everybody else comes out of the bullpen with. Um, and if you're talking about hard contact and the opportunity for hard contact, boy, I would sure rather have Taylor Rogers in that spot than I would love to have Alexander Colomay. And that, again, it's just one game. I don't want to make huge judgments off of one game. I'm just talking about pure, purely from a stuff standpoint, purely from a – if I'm worried about one – batter doing some particular damage against one pitcher I'm less worried about that happening against Taylor Rogers. and you know again the ninth inning is just one of the innings Rogers pitches the seventh inning which was important three four or five hitters are up he goes right through them. that's important those those outs count the same relatively as the ones in the ninth inning but if you're talking about just having who I trust in the ninth inning uh, it's Taylor Rogers. and I, I wonder if that will change to a certain degree as the year goes on Last thing I want to get to, and I don't want to complain too much about this after the first game, but man, four hours and 14 minutes to play a 10-inning game, and yeah, yeah, the extra innings added a little bit to it, but it was creeping up on four hours for what could have been a five-to-two, five-to-three finish. That's too much. Uh, I mean, you know, you get excited for the start of the year, and then you got a game that lasts almost four hours, and I don't want to. Again, I don't want to complain about this. There'll be time for me to get on my soapbox about pace of play, time of game, but. Just really disheartening to see a game drag on like that. To be the first one of the season, I think they, they got to do something about this. And if they're not going to affect the game, they got to do something else. Maybe they got to start tricking us. Start the games earlier. Um, you know, if you got a night game, start the game at six thirty or six o'clock instead of seven, because these games go to ten, ten thirty. People are going to bed. They got to leave the ballpark like. You know, do what the do what the food industry did. You know, start making the they started making the packages smaller and kept the prices the same. Start the games earlier. At least try to trick us into thinking that the games aren't lasting as long as they are. Because right now, even after one game, I'm tired of how long these games last.
1: I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip
0: Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Welcome back to strip sports daily delivery. Chip Scoggins. How you doing? I am doing good.
1: Michael, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. Chip is down in uh, San Antonio. I say down in for everything pretty much, but this case it's <laughs> very <laughs> much, uh, it's very apt, uh, straight down almost in, uh, in San Antonio for the uh, women's final four. And in particular, uh, Hopkins star turned UConn star Paige Becker's big story on her in Friday's paper in advance of the uh, national semifinals Friday night. Chip, give me, you know, I know you talked to, to Paige's dad. I'm sure you've done a lot of reporting for this story. You know, most of it, which gets into the story, but some of it, which doesn't maybe give me some of your, give me the overview of, of kind of the story and and how you see Paige Beckers who, you know, this week already, national women's player of the year, even though she's only a freshman.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, um, as I talked about it with some people, that she's sort of like the perfect superstar for the moment um, for 2021. Uh, obviously, the way she plays and she's doing these historic things, as you mentioned, the, the first freshman in the history of the women's game to ever be named player of the year and and just has had some Huge moments, whether it was, you know, against South Carolina, number one ranked South Carolina earlier in the year where she scores the last 13 points and hits that crazy three that bounces way up high. You know, her first tournament game, she gets 24 points. The other night against Baylor in the elite eight, they're down 10, and she kind of sparks that rally and scores 28 points. And so she just kind of has this presence. that You know, I think people in Minnesota have seen, it, Minnesota have seen but on a big stage now that just rises to the occasion. But also just her popularity, Mike, when you look at her social media, in terms of Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, she has over a million followers, which is that's amazing. Just, yeah, that's a lot. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, I talked to a, a guy who owns a company that helps athletes monetize their social media brand. And he said, he guarantees that companies are already lining up trying to get hoping that Paige will endorse their product, whatever it is, when the, when NCA finally passes the name image and likeness legislation at some point. As someone said, she's of the digital age, right? I mean, she's of that generation that grew up with a phone in their hand and are on social media nonstop like my kids are. And so she has this kind of fame about her um, and the basketball component that goes with it. And she's doing this Historic things for the, you know, the flagship women's basketball program uh, at UConn, and for a Hall of Fame coach, coach Gino, and so just trying to capture all of that, just kind of this moment and this supernova uh, personality and talent.
0: What's interesting is um, I saw Gino R.E.M.A. talking. I think it was at the Final Four already, and just you know, in comparing the women's game and the men's game women's game is is rising in popularity you've got a lot of these athletes that are you know kind of at the at the forefront of social media exposure and that would be you know some of the most you know popular earners in that regard but when you when it comes to their ability to monetize at least quickly um the women's game you cannot be the one and done player you can't you can't do that it's it's a it's usually a four year thing. Now in Paige's case, we believe, and it looks like, you know, rules wise, she could probably go after three years based on her age if she wanted to declare for the WNBA draft in 2023. But regardless, like she can't be a Jalen Suggs. She can't just be like, I've, I, I've done all I can do. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a player of the year. What else can I accomplish? You know, in the college games especially if she wins a national championship this year. What what did Gino say about that cuz I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, he has he got asked about it yesterday and and um apparently Paige did too. I I was in the <clears throat> as in the plane flying out here when she had her her press conference, but both of them said they wish that women had the option that the men do in that they should have the choice if if um if they want to be a one and done or two and done or even three and done that they should have that choice. And he and Gino brought up, he said, You see the case of Paige and Jalen Suggs, who are really good friends. And, you know, he said one of them is going, you know, same neighborhood, grew up together, same everything. One of them is going to be a top three pick and make millions of dollars next year. The other one's going back to Yukon because she has to. And he just said, They're, you know, they're 3,000 miles apart geographically. And he said their paths right now are 3,000 miles apart too. And and he just – I mean, obviously for Gino, he says he he says it's great for the women's game because you can build your brand. Players are there. It's kind of like uh, men's basketball back in the 80s or however long <clears throat> when you saw these teams, whether it's Duke or UNLV or whatever, that were together for a number of years and you got to know the players and the brand. He, he thinks that will benefit the women's game because you're going to have Paige and Caitlin Clark at Iowa for the next couple of years and they're going to be the face of – basketball but for the individuals he he and Paige which they had the option to if they if they wanted to leave score early they could
0: what about the family how do you get the sense that they're handling all this and just you know the the fame and the I'm mean, sure it's yeah wasn't it's not a surprise to them necessarily <clears throat> but everything that's happened this year we could have projected but when it already when it does happen what how does that feel to that family
1: yeah and they've dealt with it for so long and I spoke to uh Page's mom and dad, Bob and, and Amy, they've dealt with it so much throughout her career. And they've done a really good job in raising her. And she's very humble. She doesn't, she just has this great uh, presence about her that she doesn't, the weight doesn't seem heavy. And Mike, <clears throat> I remember going to last year, a game when, when Hopkins played at YZ and honestly, the second that that game ended, kids rushed onto the court to be around page and get pictures. And I, I had met a, there was a, a family, there it was a, a husband and wife and a daughter who was actually maybe eight or nine. And, and I, I was talking to them and they live in Bloomington and it was Valentine's day. And they said they normally go out to dinner on Valentine's day as a couple, but their daughter had to see page play. So they, and that happened every time she went on the road, people came from all over the Metro. And if you went and saw it after every road game, there would be, Dozens and dozens and sometimes more than a 100 kids with their parents right outside their locker room and Paige would stay until every kid either got their autographs and she would do TikTok dance videos with them, um, selfies, whatever. Every kid, she would stay until they got their moment. So they, they're accustomed to this, the mom and dad and, and Paige, she does a remarkable job. It doesn't seem like it's a burden. She doesn't get tired of it. She's not standoffish. Um, I think she's embraced it. And as her mom said that she understands with great success comes great responsibility. And it's, um, I don't know if it's her mission, but it's just something she recognizes that she wants to be a role model for the next generation. And she just, uh, I don't know how in the world I would, have anybody, you know, I think about when I was 19, <laughs> if yeah. that had been coming at me every single game and, you know, and just the fame and the, attention and spotlight is on it that to me is probably the most the biggest thing that that i'm impressed with her i mean obviously she's a great basketball player and you know once in a generation type talent but just the way she handles the spotlight is is just awfully impressive
0: and you have to be able to handle it i remember like i remember going to cover this was 2003 when LeBron was just the name and everybody was, was just going bonkers for LeBron. And the, the paper sent me out to North Carolina to cover a tournament, just because this was such a big story and he was going to be the number one pick. And just like, I was just assumed that this was going to be overwhelming for him, like just feeling how I would have felt. And then you get to see him and it's like, he's just handles it and he's always yeah. been able to handle this. And some athletes just can just kind of roll with it. And take it all in and 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 not let it consume them but still have fun with it and it says it does seem like she's able to do that
1: well she does I mean you look at her social media and you know Mike she's followed by Drake by NBA players There was a game last year are you not followed by Drake Chip I'm not followed by Drake um you know Carl Anthony Towns and five or six Timberwolves went to watch her play and um you know just the attention she gets and it, it just doesn't feel heavy to her. She, I think she gets a kick out of it in a way that's, um, she enjoys kind of giving back and being that role model. And it's, you're right, there's a maturity with her and how she handles it um, that I think her parents, you know, it, it's just not a big deal to them because this is what they've, one, because of the way she handles it and she always is up and positive and it never really, mom told me that she's never heard her complain about it. Not once.
0: That's amazing. That's just, yeah, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Do you think they, are they going to finish this off and win another one?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Um, I mean, obviously you get to this stage. It's, they're all good teams. Um, the thing that's interesting is Mike, they have seven freshmen. They have no yeah. It's a, it's all freshmen. <laughs> now, granted, they're the best freshmen, you know, uh, one of those freshmen is the best player in college basketball, but they have size, they have scoring, they obviously got the best coach in the game, and so, um, you know, I guess when you get to the Final Four, nerves can maybe creep in with the, the younger team that's never been here that hasn't done it. But in terms of just pure talent, um, you know, they're obviously good enough to, to to win the next two games.
0: A couple more thoughts for you here, uh, switching a little bit of gears away from Paige Beckers and the women's tournament, men's side got the semifinals on Saturday and then the national championship game on Monday. Um, I don't know how much of the tournament you've watched, but just overall impressions and, you know, the, the big 10, you know, kind of doing (laughs) (laughs) my impression of the big (laughs) 10. Yeah. It's been a little bit, a little bit of a rough go there, but what, what are you, uh, thoughts, I guess on the, on the men's tournament as well?
1: Well, it's funny, you know, we, we've, Obviously, we saw the the upsets and the Big Ten is just – it was just not a good showing. I mean, they're going to, you know, go another year where they don't win it. Um, Through most of the year until COVID uh, shut down Baylor, we said Gonzaga and Baylor were head and shoulders better than everyone else. We felt like those were the two best teams, at least early on, and I think that's what we're going to see, right? The matchup will be – Yeah, Gonzaga's got uh,
0: UCLA, right, and then Baylor-Houston –
1: UCLAs I mean I've watched a lot of the UCLA games. what the heck happened to them in the, in the regular season? I mean yeah, I don't
0: know they, they look awfully good, don't they?
1: Yeah for, I mean first in and 11 seed I, I didn't watch them a lot during their, or any during the regular season but they look pretty darn good now but but I, I just think Gonzaga and Baylor were the two best teams all year. Uh, I hope it's them because they were supposed to play right and that game got canceled during the regular season and it's I think Baylor might be the toughest team in college basketball. And Gonzaga is the most talented team. So I think that would be a fascinating championship game. I hope that's what we get.
0: Yeah, good point. I, I agree with that too. I hope that's, you know, in a weird year where I just didn't watch a whole lot of college basketball, because I think I've explained this on the podcast, maybe even with you, it just college basketball feels like the thing that suffered the most to me from the lack of attendance. It's just the atmosphere was depleted so much this year. And I'm not like a huge, like I'm not the world's biggest college basketball fan to begin with, but just. In a weird year, I'd love to see a really good championship game at the very least.
1: Yeah, it's too bad if it, if it turns out to be uh, Gonzaga and Baylor that it's not a full house because that would be a great environment. And you're right, college basketball, no matter where you're at without the fans right on top of you and, and just the atmosphere that it creates, um, it, it was among the weirdest, I would say, it, in, in, to me, it in, in the NFL
0: Yeah,
1: without fans it really suffered the most
0: thoughts on ben johnson early on looks like they're really uh, they're living in that portal it's going both ways though because uh looks like gabe gabe kalsher entering the portal on thursday now it doesn't mean he's definitely gone they get Jamison battle that was a good get from the portal seemed like that was a a likely candidate given he came from de la salle and he was 17 points a game at george washington last year your thoughts on how active they've been and, and any early impressions of what he's doing so far
1: yeah, that didn't surprise me. Uh, the, the Gabe counselor one does. I, you know, I'm not sure other than reasoning if, if, you know, he just wants a fresh start with a you know, new program, new coach. But and, and to be clear,
0: too, there's a – it seems like if you read the tea leaves, there's a decent chance he stays. He's just kind of exploring
1: sure. it. So Sure. Yeah, and it, you know what? I mean, there's over 1,000 kids right in the portal. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, this doesn't surprise me. Um, you're not going to see to this degree every year. This kind of movement, but Mike, this transfer portal is changing college basketball for good. I mean, it's just it's so easy to transfer now, and kids are are going to use it. And so I asked Ben about that at his opening press conference as as a coach, how do you balance wanting to you know recruit kids and develop them and build a program that way versus the inevitability of the transfer portal and it's just going to create chaos every year and and he said it really takes they're still trying to figure it out, coaches, but it's going to take, some unique roster construction and roster management and how you divvy up scholarships because you just know year to year, you don't want it to happen, but you know, you're going to have to rely on that portal um, because you're going to lose some and then you're going to have to get some. And so it doesn't surprise me. I, I think that that roster next year is going to, is going to look maybe not a hundred percent different, but it's going to look probably 70% different with, with new faces. And it's just, it was sort of inevitable when you have a coaching change. I
0: know you've had your head down. You're really focusing on the Paige Becker story, the women's tournament. Um, but I hope you take careful little steps. I don't want you to injure your leg, your hamstring, your calf in any way, <laughs> shape, or form like Josh Donaldson did
1: after a half an inning on opening day. Mike, you told me that before we came on here, and I thought you were pulling my leg. I mean, you can't make it up, right? No, you can it's, it's, it's like, it's like It's like you expect it, but you can't. But you were like, come on. Mike, every prediction and projection about the twins included what two things? Their record will be depending on Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson staying healthy. Yeah, it is a half an inning. Half an inning. <laughs> half
0: an inning. Oh. He got it. Was a, he like got hit? I got got a double, like a beautiful swing, and he's like going from first to second base, and something happens, and so it's like. You we're,
1: know. I mean, we're speculating, but is it? You wonder if there's compensation for trying to not hurt the calf that he hurts. Yeah. I
0: don't know they said tight hamstring. We'll see. I mean, it, it hopefully it's like, you know, hopefully for his sake and the twin's sake, cause he had a really good camp. He was looking really good. Hopefully it's one of those things where it's more precautionary. He felt something, but it's not that bad. And it's really a day to day thing, but boy, it, it, but it, it ain't a promising things. sign. <laughs> yeah. You don't want something that lingers for, you know, Last year was kind of a, a ruined year. You don't want that to happen again. You know, he's got more time to come back this year. With the compressed schedule last year, it felt like you know, it was never going to get better. But there is more time to get, to get healed up this year. But, boy, not a, not a, great, uh, not a great start to uh, his Twins career last year and this year, and certainly not, uh, <clears throat> not a great sign uh, at the start of this year.
1: No. No, this is uh, – in terms of ominous beginnings, I would say that was uh, right up there.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. They got uh, you know 161 more good stuff, Chip. Uh, read read Chip stuff. StarTribune.com, Big Page Becker's story in Friday's paper, and uh, there'll be some coverage beyond that as well. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me again here, Chipper. Let's end with the cooler. Bally Sports North made its debut a couple days ago. The only thing I've ever uh, the only thing I've really seen about this. Um, the transition to Fox Sports from Fox Sports North to Bally Sports North. The only thing people seem to want to talk about is the score line at the bottom versus how it used to be in the upper corner of the screen. I happen to like it where it is right now. I've seen a lot of people, particularly wild fans, saying they don't like it where it is. Just kind of amuses me how unadaptable we are to change or how something so seemingly small we can have big opinions about it. People, uh, it really, I got an email of it off of, from last night's wild game. Wild win, by the way, uh, at Vegas in a shootout. Big game for, for Cam Talbot. Had two huge saves. I saw the saw the replay. Did not stay up for all of that game, but uh, two huge saves in like a 10-second span of that game, and they win in the shootout. So big win for them, but people not loving the scoreline um, and how it is presented and what the information they're giving out, things like that. So... It just kind of cracks me up. Um, it, takes, it takes people a long time to get used to anything new. I think we'll get used to the score line on the bottom. I happen to like it. I think it's a nice, clean look. I don't like the clutter on the top. I'd rather have it all in one place, take my eye away from it so I can just see the whole screen. But that's just me. Half of you feel differently, and it's, uh, you're entitled to the, your opinion. I just think it's mostly I'm just amused at how big of opinions people can have about something seemingly so small. That'll do it for today. Thanks for joining me all week. Had a lot of fun talking a lot of Minnesota sports. We'll be back at it on Monday. We'll talk fans in the stands with Ethan Casson from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wolves welcoming fans back into the building next week. Twins will have fans in the building next week. So will the Wild. So a whole new, uh, a whole new way to uh, to experience games here that we have not had in more than a year. Download this podcast, write a review, subscribe to Start Tribune, and we will catch you on Monday.